today on Ag News Daily. We represent the, the men and women who tell agriculture's story. And increasingly, that's not just talking to farmers, but talking about them. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Wednesday, May 17th. I'm Mike Pearson, co-host of Ag News Daily with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you? I'm good. I'm trying to shovel down my macaroni and cheese when I'm not talking. You know, that's the best way to eat mac and cheese. Just buy the glob <laughs> right into the mouth. Yeah. Well, Try not to exciting. taste it too much. Yeah, yeah. Just You just want the nutrients. You just want the sodium in that yeah. uh, Kraft yeah. mac and cheese. That's right. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I'm uh, I'm in a very scenic location right now, Delaney. Are you? I am. I am in the parking lot of Wyoming's largest smoke shop on the Wind River Indian Reservation just outside Riverton, Wyoming. You going to get some smokes? Well, you know, probably not, but, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> some pipe tobacco, start, take up pipe, pipe smoking. Oh, okay, that's really, interesting. Really be pretentious. I think that's really, really bad for you. Isn't that like the worst kind of smoking? No, because you don't inhale, I don't think, with a pipe. It's like a cigar. Okay. Do you uh, not inhale with a cigar either? Nope. Oh, shows how much I know. Yeah. Yeah, you need to get out more, Delaney. Jeez. <laughs> reacquainted with uh, tobacco habits. Great. But uh, let's see. We've got a pretty good show today, don't we? We do. We get to talk to Max Armstrong in I don't even know what we talk about, honestly. We just got so off topic, but it's hilarious, and you definitely want to stay tuned to listen to it. Yeah, you can't really get off topic if you're never on topic, and that's what I like to think this interview was. It was more of a conversation with Max Armstrong, longtime voice of ag broadcasting at Mm -hmm. WGN, uh, current host of This Week in Agribusiness on RFD-TV, just a man who has done and seen pretty much everything. All right. Well, so we need to get to that here very shortly. Delaney, do we have any news that we absolutely need to hit? I just have one thing because I want to save more time for Max's interview. Um, Today, Sunny Purdue is going in front of the House Ag Committee to talk about his controversial USDA reorganization plans. And so the hearing will consider the state of the rural economy, and Purdue will likely have to defend to eliminate that undersecretary of rural development position that we have been reporting on, that groups have come forth and said, we don't like it, we don't want you to change it. And so this article I'm reading said that that position specifically coordinates billions in loan and grant programs supporting rural housing, health care, and water and utility projects. Huh. And that, is that going to be saved or cut? That's the one that's going to be cut. Gotcha, gotcha. And it, I, I think instead is that position that Northy is rumored to be up for. Right. I mean, that's what I kind of figured. They were just, it was a reorganization, like a transfer of stuff, not that they were axing this whole thing, but shows what I know. Right. Well, as long as we're talking political stuff, we've got news here from The Hill that a Senate panel today advanced a half a dozen measures for uh, regulatory reform bills. And uh, basically, the uh, Senator Ron Johnson was kind of the spearhead on this. It's called the Midnight Rules Relief Act. And he says this kind of retrospective work is necessary, but it is only a small portion of the more than 2,500 new rules President Obama's administration issued in his last six months or more or the more than 4,000 rules and regulations issued during his final year. That's a whole lot of rules and regulations that uh, this panel Mm -hmm. hopes they can they can pare back some of them 
by making it uh, making it right. easier, streamlining it a bit. Well, speaking of that, I was looking at an article. Ooh, I don't remember when it was, but it was talking about President Trump's executive orders, and I think it said he had had the most executive orders in like the first hundred days of office than any other president. Wow! Wow! And I think I think a lot of those executive orders were rolling back some of those laws and rules that President Obama had pushed through during his final days in office. Yeah, yeah, it was executive orders undoing executive orders. Right, yeah. Well, let's see, we've got some change coming in China, and not just the purchase of U.S. beef. China has promised to evaluate eight varieties of U.S. genetically modified crops by the end of this month under a trade deal, and uh, that marks a step forward in a years-long process that has held up uh, seed sales. This is from Reuters, and um, you know, if we think about what that means, we only have to look back at 2014, when uh, Syngenta's variety was not approved in China, and then that has caused, uh, you know, a lot of trouble. And, of course, the irony being uh, China's willing to look over and maybe approve these varieties. Gee, that comes after ChemChina has bought Syngenta. Hmm. Boy. Of course. It's all about politics. Exactly, exactly. So I think that was interesting. Um, hopefully by the end of the month, it says they're going to review them. Hopefully that's political code for approve them, but we'll know by the end of the mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Mike, let's go ahead and cut to the markets so that we can get to our awesome interview with Max. Well, let's do that. we got to hear what Max Armstrong has to say. So let's start by looking at the corn market. We had a little bit of green on the screen today. July corn closed up three and three-quarter cents to finish at 3.71.5. December corn up three and a half cents, closed at 3.89 even. Ooh, are we going to test $4 again soon? Stay tuned. Soybeans, the July contract, after yesterday's big rally, we stepped back. The uh, nearby lost half a cent, closed at 9.75 and three quarters. The November contract was unchanged, finished the day at 9.67 and three quarters. Chicago wheat, July, up two and three quarters cents, closed at 4.27 even. The December wheat contract, up two and a quarter, closed at 4.61 and three quarters. Jumping down into the livestock markets, June live cattle dropped $1.15, closed at 80. Oh, what am I saying? That's cotton. What am I thinking? Cotton. July cotton dropped $1.15, closed at 80.17. Now let's look at livestock. The June live cattle contract climbed 55 cents, closing the day at $1.2245. The August contract up 57.5, finished at 118.82.5. Feeder cattle up a buck, a dollar oh two and a half on the nearby, closed at one forty one ninety seven and a half. The August contract up two and a half cents, closed at one forty seven seventy two and a half. So with that, Delaney Howell, let's throw it over to Max Armstrong and get his thoughts on the world. I am excited to announce that today's guest is Max Armstrong, and he has been in the agriculture broadcasting industry for um, probably about the same time that Mike has been alive, so about 30 years, and you currently work for This Week in Agribusiness, Max, but you also have a a wide variety of other things that you're involved in, and we'll get to that, but tell us what it has been like to see broadcasting and the agriculture industry change over the last three decades. Well, it's been fun to have a furrow seat for it, I must say. It's been a dynamic change, and continues to be every day, and uh, that's pretty neat. And I'm so glad you pointed out that uh, Mr. Pearson has 
I've been on this planet less than I've been a, a farm broadcaster. That's just wonderful. I, I always enjoy talking to punk kids. <laughs> well, now, Max, you've been in broadcasting now uh, for a day or two, and most recently you were voted as president of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, meetings that I know you went to with my dad for many, many years. Now you're in charge. Who would have guessed that would uh, you'd one day be sitting in that chair with the uh, the president's gavel, so to speak? Yes, who indeed would have guessed? Uh, certainly your, your father would not have. You know, who knows? He may have been pulling the strings on this thing, as far as, I've, as, far as I can tell. That's... Uh, that guy, your, your pop and I would sit at the back of the room, and we we would absorb a lot of what was going on with some of the veteran farm broadcasters standing at the front, the likes of Keith Kirkpatrick and Orion Samuelson, and uh, of course uh, we we had our own guidance that we've offered those leaders of the NAFB on how to run the association, but they had no interest in hearing from young punks in the back of the room. But to be honest with you, I'm thrilled about the possibility. And I was thrilled about the possibility. And now, over the next uh, few months yet, in this uh, term as president of the NAFB, trying to provide some direction and put a face on NAFB, folks who need to have a little better grasp of what our members of the association do across the United States. So leads me to my next question, Max. Tell our listeners... For some of them, they might not know what NAFB is or what it tries to accomplish. So why don't you just give us a quick little um, sales pitch on NAFB? Yeah, absolutely. We represent a wide range of members, not just those on radio and television, but now, of course, uh, those who are utilizing the Internet and podcasting. And uh, <laughs> we we represent uh, the men and women who tell agriculture story and increasingly that's not just talking to farmers, but talking about them. And uh, and these are folks who take it very seriously. This is, this is not somebody operating, uh, you know, out of a little table in a basement, uh, you know, as a hobby. Uh, and these are men and women who are professionals in this industry, and they take very seriously the responsibility of uh, being a credible source of news for the men and women on farms and ranches in this country. Uh, and we do work with a lot of associations in agriculture to help tell the story. And as I say, it's not uh, just talking to farmers anymore. Of course, many of us operate in channels where we have uh, a large non-farm audience. And that's been the case, of course, for Mr. Samuelson and myself for many years in Chicago, where we have had a lot of people who do other things who never get close to an actual uh, working farm. But uh, we hope we've broadened their knowledge a little bit by talking about agriculture and trying to explain things to them. That's true, Max. And when you look at the world of agriculture that we're in today, 2017, we've seen commodity prices come down. We've seen cattle prices up and then down and then back up. And it, everything just seems a little more hectic than it's been for probably the last 10 years. What what advice would you have for younger producers, farmers, or those in the ag industry trying to exist in this world? Yeah, the volatility has been breathtaking, Mike, as you point out. And, of course, that underscores the need to, to be even more serious about risk management. And I commend you for the job that you do out there trying to help producers through that quagmire. One thing that I tell young farmers is to sit down for a minute or two and listen to dad and granddad, especially those folks who have been through this kind of a breathtaking, uh, gut-wrenching market experience. 
Uh, they've seen this movie before. They've learned some lessons of the past, to be sure. Now, uh, that said, I don't worry too much about a lot of our younger operators because they're so well armed with the information that they need, the knowledge they need, the tools that they need to survive during these uh, challenging times as they've come out of places like Iowa State University, the <laughs> Harvard of the Midwest, That's as right. I've been told. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and uh, Purdue University, West Lafayette, Indiana, home of the Boilermakers. But, you know, a lot of these, these young men and women are well-armed with uh, a lot of great knowledge. No, they've not seen something like this before. And some of them came out to you know, right about 2012, 2013, when things were uh, kind of interesting in terms of markets. But also, you know, we had a, a drought year that we had to survive. So it's, it has been a roller coaster. There's no doubt about that, Mike. And uh, you know, I think it's the, 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 the best piece of advice is, again, coming back to what you are doing as you try to spread the gospel about risk management is for that producer to just continue to arm themselves with the best information they can access. Max, if people were to tune in to you on This Week in Agribusiness, are those the type of things that you're sharing with your listeners? We do. But, you know, we let other people tell the story, too. Uh, but, yes, we we talk about uh, these things, to be sure. And I, I guess, you know, the, the other thing that comes to mind in, in terms of uh, the younger operator today is just, to, you know, to, to, to press on and, uh, you know, to try to be even more knowledgeable by all means. I, I, I just think that, you know, that I, I don't worry too much about many of these younger producers because I think that they're well positioned to uh, survive this kind of a, a storm. And ho- hopefully it's not going to endure too many more years that we have <laughs> these kinds of very difficult and challenging prices. Yeah, fingers crossed for sure. Now, Max, I want to ask you, as somebody who has talked to lots of folks in production agriculture, lots of folks who support production agriculture in various capacities, what in your career of broadcasting agriculture, what is the most stunning or interesting thing? What's a story that stands out to you that you heard and you were like, huh, crazy. You got anything like that? Oh, man, where do you start on that one, Mike? I, I don't know. I mean, I, there, there's stuff that amazes me every day, to be honest with you. It's a, such a complex industry and is, has become, of course, I, I think it's become even more complex by the fact that there's so much misunderstanding about modern production agriculture. And there are so many people who want to foment a misunderstanding and distrust of, of our commercial farmers. And that that is troubling to me, and I'm amazed every day that that the malarkey that gets pushed around out there. I'd like to use another word, but I, you know, I would. <laughs> we want to keep that clean that. rating on podcast on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I know you're concerned about that, of course. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, who knows? You might want to have a fun drive one of these days. Maybe. <laughs> but tune in for more of the hits, and you you yeah. too can have the album. Casey uh, Kasem, we'll send it to you. <laughs> we dedicate this Max Armstrong interview to. So-and-so. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, I used to play American Top 40 every weekend on WASK, Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> now moving up 10 spots this week to number 13 is the hit that debuted 22 weeks ago. And it won't be heard from again. You know, it's one of those <laughs> one of those silly things. Yeah, I, that's how I spent my uh, Saturday nights in Lafayette, Indiana. When I was at school at Purdue, I'd go over to WASK and work the radio station. I really had a great life. Jeez. Max, do you think that you use a different voice for radio versus when you're just talking to people? Or do you think you pretty much keep the same voice? 
My old secretary at WGN used to say she could tell when I was talking to people down home because I was dropping my G's. Oh. She said, you dropped, dropped your G's. I can tell when you talk to people down there, you're talking like you're down home again. I said, well, I guess I do. Maybe a little bit like that. I slip back into that mold somehow when I get back down there or I'm talking to somebody from down there in the Wabash Valley, down there where we... We have the Mallermore bird. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. You probably don't have that along the Wapsie in Iowa or the Maquokana. But uh, down along the banks of the Wabash far away, we have the Mallermore, which you you can often see them out there. They stick their head in the sand, whistle out their uh, tail, and you can hear them for a Mallermore. (laughs) Cue the laugh track, please. be honest you weren't expecting that were you no No, i definitely wasn't no but we like it (laughs) where where is home for you max where did the the mustache herd around the world grow up (laughs) i grew up near princeton indiana about oh 10 or 11 miles southwest of princeton and the claim to fame to Princeton is there's a great big Toyota plant there now. They make the Highlander there, I think. They started making the Tundra there a few years ago before they transferred the production of that down to Texas. But right on the north end of that site where that massive Toyota plant sits now, which, by the way, I helped get to that area. But that's another story. <laughs> I, it's a long story. But anyway... I'll take a little credit for it. Uh, and, unless people down there don't like it, those old folks that complain <laughs> about the plant, I'll, I'll not take the blame. But right on the north end of that site, back in the early 50s, there was a popcorn plant, a popcorn plant and a, and a hybrid uh, seed corn plant, and it was operated by a guy by the name of Redenbacher. Orville Redenbacher mm. helped fine-tune his agronomic skills there. He, he was uh, an agronomist by training out of Purdue. He was a county agent for a while at uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. Then he managed his popcorn company in southern Indiana near Princeton and then went to Valparaiso. And the rest was history when he carried his jar of popcorn into the Marshall Field store in Chicago and said, ah, now this, 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 this isn't uh, just ordinary popcorn. This is Orville Redenbacher's popcorn. Look at me. I look so goofy. You know, you got to believe me. <laughs> but, but the reality, the reality of it was, of course, he was an agronomist by training and Knew his stuff when it came to popcorn. It just happened to be, you know, a very good marketer, too, which you don't often find that combination. Quite often you'll find somebody who is an excellent scientist and knowledgeable, but they don't know how to market what they do. Orville had it both going for him. Mm. Now, that is that is just unbelievable. <laughs> it's interesting when you get somebody who has both of them, and I think Colonel Sanders is another example, and maybe I'm just thinking of that because of the similarity in looks to Orville, but they – they have both capacities, and then you often find their picture out in supermarkets and out, you know, wherever it is people mm-hmm. buy stuff. They usually become successful. Now, Max. Well, yeah, it, it's, and, it, and it's funny you should mention him because, I, actually, I, I did this little bathroom book, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. I mean, it's it's nice short stories. That What's it called, You can put Max in the bathroom. Uh, stories from the Heartland. Mm. And... Uh, and there was a chapter, uh, something to the effect that, yes, there really was an Orville Redenbacher and a Colonel Sanders and a Bob Evans. And I met all three of them, as a matter of fact. Bob Evans used to watch our television show over in Ohio, and he would call and bitch and moan about stuff. <laughs> At first, yeah, 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 he took me to task. First, first time I... 
I got a call from him. I came back to my office and my secretary said, this guy claims he's Bob Evans. I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man, too. And I looked down, and the number was Area 614, which is Columbus, Ohio. And uh, I said, you know, there is a Bob Evans. There really is a guy. He's an old farmer, and he lives over there, and he founded the, you know, the restaurant chain. And I called him up, and it was Bob. And he was he was a real big fan of rotational grazing. He had been down to uh, Australia and New Zealand and uh, got all excited about that and came back and was uh, – was quite an evangelist for rotational grazing. And he took me to task. He said, you know, you and Mr. Samuelson never do anything on rotational grazing. You know, why don't you get your head out of sand and do something on rotational grazing? And so, yes, Bob, whatever. But, uh, yeah, you'd see him there at the farm show, the Columbus, uh, oh, the, um, what do they call it, the uh, Farm Science Review there in, in central Ohio. And he'd be out there with his old felt hat on on a hot day in September. <laughs> Bob Evans. I remember my grandpa, we always went to Bob Evans whenever we were down in Champaign or anywhere on the road. Dad would make us stop at Bob Evans mm-hmm. because he loved the food. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that uh, <laughs> taking place, by the way. You know, I, I love telling people that your, your daddy was such an expert swimmer. That he was such a great. In fact, he was, uh, he was like a, a record-holding swimmer at Naperville Central High School, as I recall. He was Naperville, in the, uh, the 100 butterfly that he went to state his senior year. And I don't think he won, but he was top three. Mike, you didn't get that athleticism, did you? I was a very competent swimmer. I went to state <laughs> as a swimmer oh. in high school. Yes, the right. I've just since let it go. I'm following the Pearson tradition. <laughs> I, I do I do remember your dad talking about you and how concerned he was about you back in the day. And obviously his concern was, was well-founded and you were well-guided. And look what has happened here. For yeah, yeah, I, I got a little lucky. You know, and I remember... The very first time, at least that I can remember, meeting Max Armstrong, we were in Naperville. We were visiting my dad's parents up there, and this would have been, I suppose, late 80s, early 90s. I don't quite know when. And uh, we stopped, and we were joined by Max at a TGI Fridays in Champ- in uh, Naperville, Illinois, or in that vicinity. That was the first time I, ever- I remember meeting you, Max. Holy cow! Yeah, there was a Fridays not there, not far from our house. We only lived about two miles from there. Ha. We were over on the uh, the east side of uh, of Naperville, not not where the not where the big houses were, not where the Pearson uh, family uh, was <laughs> of course, down there on that part of town. We were up on the other side of the tracks up there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was I was there for twenty five years, and that's where I was a fire commissioner. Really. Is that like a fire chief? Uh, no, no. I uh, we uh, we hired firefighters and paramedics. It was a uh, oh. a full time fire department which serves uh, all of the uh, village of Lyle and uh, Woodridge and portions of Glen Ellen and Naperville and Downers Grove and full time firefighters and paramedics. And I served as an appointed fire commissioner for twenty two years altogether. And we hired firefighters and paramedics. And those full-time positions, uh, it's a union fire department and uh, great, um, you know, it's a district, a taxing body in its own right. And these are really, really great people. We had a great tax base and and uh, the stations were well positioned. And I just really enjoyed it. And it's given me a, a great appreciation for the men and women of the fire service all over the country, and especially our volunteers and first responders 
out in rural areas that come calling. You know, they put stuff down at the grain elevator or the farm implement business or the service station in town and come running. Teachers and preachers and farmers and, you know, where would we be without those first responders? And as I often point out, the flames are just as hot in Maquoketa as they are in downtown Chicago because, uh, you know, if the danger is there and they're always weighing it on the line, uh, coming to the service of their fellow man. It's true, and it's not just uh, it's not just fire in rural America. I remember when, when Dad passed away, the first people to show up at the farm were the, the Piru, Iowa first responders. And like you say, teachers and preachers and a little bit of everybody, and they came in there, and, you know, without them, it would have been an hour or better before somebody could have made it down from uh, from Des Moines. So, yeah, hats off to all those folks who who serve the country, both rural and urban. And the training requirements are so intense. Uh, you know, it's gotten more challenging for these rural departments and you know, the, the laws and the regulations. I mean, I've talked to a couple of rural fire chiefs who said, you know, every time we roll the truck, we're violating all kinds of laws because we simply don't have the equipment. You know, you know, when you see these volunteer fire departments holding pancake breakfasts to support what they do, you think, man, you know, they're operating on such a narrow, tight budget. And it's uh, such a challenge to keep the kind of equipment and service that really is necessary to, to provide the protection anymore. Wow. Well, Max, uh, we've gone quite off topic, but we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Wait, Obviously, wait, wait, we could wait, talk wait, to you wait. for hours. Are, are, are we done already? <laughs> <laughs> We're boy, done for today, hey, but we want to have you hey, back on again. You can talk anytime. Uh, boy, Mike, you sure taught her how to use the hook, didn't you? <laughs> oh, wrap that up, get that guy off the air. For, yeah, this old fart's droning on and on. Get him off, for goodness sake. <laughs> Yeah, Delaney's the, uh, I was going to say axe man, but she's the axe woman on the podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. I can just hear this. She'll be talking about, oh, that guy was droning on about Orville Redenbacher. Hell, he talking about Bob Evans. Gosh. No, I've heard from many people that we should have you on the podcast. So we would love to have you on again sometime if you want to uh, arrange that sometime with Mike. I'd love that. I'd love that, Delaney. Thank you both for the opportunity. Seriously, it's a real joy to join you. Well, I don't really know how we got to talking about firefighters, but that might be a good story topic for us for sure, Mike. But you guys, I just, I don't even know how to get involved sometimes when you guys are just bantering back and forth. Just jump in. The water's fine. <laughs> I like to just sit back and observe a little. It's kind of funny that way. Yeah, it is. It is fun. You know, it's interesting. A guy like Max, who has been in this industry, like you said, 30 years, he's really seen everything. He's done nearly everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think that's a neat perspective to have. I do, too. Hopefully that will be us in 30 years. Yeah, hopefully. Actually, no, hopefully, hopefully I'm living out here in Wyoming on my massive ranch and, uh, <laughs> you know, never talking to anybody ever. Oh, okay. We're going to be a hermit after 30 years. Well, once I'm rich, I plan on fully becoming a hermit. All right, then. Going going a full... I guess it, it's been nice knowing you. Harold Hughes on this deal. Howard Hughes. <laughs> Howard Hughes is who I mean. Uh, Peeing in jars and saving them in a closet. You know, just, just really running out. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, Mike, do you have anything else planned for the rest of the week? Oh, boy. Heading back home to Iowa this afternoon. I did get a call from my neighbor here about 15 minutes ago. My cows are out, so that's fun. Not a whole lot I can do about it in Wyoming. Feels like I've got to make a call to Heidi, and I'm not looking forward to that too much. <laughs> Telling her to run home and well, put cows back in. Thanks for sharing all that. But I actually meant, did you have anything planned for the rest of the week for the podcast? No, no, I certainly don't. Just going to fly by the seat of our pants. <laughs> okay, well, I've got a few things cooking, so we'll see. But be sure and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is Ag News Daily for both. And if you haven't done so yet, please be sure to rate and review us in iTunes and go ahead and hit that little subscribe button. So you get a notification every time we post a new podcast episode. I think, and I want your opinion, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.